Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Ship Happens, the marine and bunkers podcast where we chat with movers and shakers in the global shipping business. I'm Jason Silber, Managing Director of Secret. With us today is Anthony Odact, Chief Commercial Officer and Director of Business Development at John W. Stone Oil in New Orleans. Stone Oil is one of the largest privately owned bunker companies in the United States. Welcome to the program, Tony. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm your first guest. Oh, it's, it's a, the, the honor is all mine. Well, first give us a thumbnail sketch of Stone Oil. Well, thumbnail sketch of Stone Oil. Uh, it's a privately owned company owned by John Stone Jr., who is currently actively involved in the business. Johnny's been around the business for 73 years. Uh, the business has been around 73 years, and Johnny's Johnny's been in, in the business since day one. Um, the business is everything from hedging of oil and storage of oil, transportation of oil, terminaling, deliveries, you name it, on the Mississippi River from Baton Rouge South throughout the Gulf of Mexico. We have 17 inland boats, 47 inland barges, and we have three offshore units. Um, those are all serviced wholly owned by Stone Oil and service only Stone customers. In addition, we have 18 facilities and three joint ventures. Uh, those facilities, some of them have bulk tanks, uh, but uh, some of them are strictly shore-based operations that support the offshore oil industry. Um, now let's jump into business. Um, the clock's ticking as we're approaching January 2020, and you've been intimately involved with the issues around the new low sulfur bunker fuels. And you've been speaking at many forums in the shipping industry about the many challenges, especially those revolving around the new bunker blends. So what's going on and what can we expect? Well, Jason, I just want to, I wanted to get the word out. We've, we've got quite a large customer base, and the customer base is made up of obviously charterers and owners, but it's made up of greatly of uh, brokers and traders as well. Um, and I wanted to make sure we got the, the word out that there is going to be some difficulty in having uh, an intermediate fuel oil that meets the 0.5 specs. As you well know, the, the 0.5 specs, not all the new specifications are out for ISO, so, or I, ISO 8217, but um, we feel pretty good about saying that we've got some fuel that we've sent out for testing, multiple labs. We've, we also have some fuel out to several customers for testing on the intermediate fuel side. We've taken a long time in saying that we've got something deliverable because it's not only fuel compatibility and fuel stability, but we'd like to see the phrase or the, the notion of rateability. So rateability being a rateable supply of the same fuel repeatedly at the same locations. So we've had some real challenges. We thought we would have something earlier this year. and We just struggled with coming up with a 0.5 sulfur blend that was financially uh, feasible and again, rateable. So I think we found it. Uh, we're getting some reports back shortly from, uh, from our customers who uh, sent it out to the labs. We have not used any of it yet, but uh, we are very pleased to say that we've prepared our shore tanks, we've prepared our barges for the 0.5 inevitable, and uh, we'll be ready when uh, when the demand is there. 
You're ready to go. So uh, how is uh, how's IMO 2020 changing Stone Oil? And uh, are you also taking a closer look at your counterparties? Absolutely. So that's one of the big uh, issues. There's actually a big discussion that happened today, uh, earlier today, that we have been reviewing our customers' uh, credits. Um, I'm glad to say that I've worked with you in the past, and uh, I'm glad to see that you've moved on and you've started your own company, and we look forward to working with you in the future. Um, it, credit is going to be a real big issue. Inevitably, we see that fuel prices will be going up. Um, we're looking and reviewing all of our customers and those customers, whether they are charterers, shippers, or traders, we are starting to ask for more financial and we're also asking for um, third-party charter agreements, depending on who you are. Generally speaking, things are just going to get a lot tighter and credit will be a big issue that uh, will need to be reviewed, not only by us, but by everyone. Uh, among the, among the, all the other items that we're going to get to shortly, um, are you beginning to see changes in behavior among your customers? We've started to see smaller stems being lifted and um, the stems that we that are being lifted, we are starting to see uh, customers that are, uh, I assume, are cleaning their tanks. And uh, if the question is, how are they cleaning their tanks? We assume that our uh, distillate volumes are starting to go up to our bunker customers. And we can only assume that the, that distillate is being put into the bunker tanks in an effort to scrub the tanks clean. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, we, we do, we have seen, uh, we have seen some of the, the volumes change from, uh, from an intermediate fuel to a distillate. And like I said, all I, all I can imagine is that that's, that is being used in an effort to, uh, to prepare the bunker tanks, uh, the previous dirty oil tanks to a cleaner product. Now, uh, you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned that you're seeing that, uh, that some smaller stems that you think that that has to do with cleaning the tanks. I'm wondering about about um, smaller stems being ordered because of dealing with higher prices of fuel. So, uh, you know, is, is that also something you think that um, how is the juggling act between um, money spent on fuel and the uh, the number of days uh, on credit from uh, going from 30 to 21, say, is that going to be changing? Are you looking at that? We are. We're, we're going to evaluate everything um, as far as credit terms but i getting back to your question i, I do think that there is uh, there's definitely a look by the customers to see what their trading pattern is and do they carry do they carry their bunkers they're carrying as few bunkers as they as they need to get to the next port whether it's the next port or the next cheaper port so i think in new orleans are stemming sometimes as little as they have to until they can get to a foreign port or another port that may be less costly. So how do you think that uh, the small traders are going to be able to survive in the new landscape? We're hearing a lot about the challenges they're going to face. I absolutely agree with you. There are, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that uh, smaller traders have is their revolving line of credit. I think there this uh, there's going to be quite a bit of appetite for M&A in that, in that market. And uh, if there aren't mergers, I do think that there may be some folks going out of business. At the same time, do you see uh, physical suppliers like you or even oil majors try to be direct with some of the smaller ship operators? I think you're correct. I th uh, we've anecdotally heard several of the major suppliers made a push to go to direct. Um, I know one of the major suppliers in the Port of New Orleans has has made a push to go to direct, uh, one of our competitors. I don't know what the future holds for everybody, but... Uh, I can tell you that we're going to work with everybody, whether it's a broker, trader, or direct customer.
changing directions. Uh, how about scrubbers? How do you feel about them? You have warm, fuzzy thoughts about them? <laughs> love scrubbers. I love scrubbers. At one point in time, Stone Oil looked at being integrally um, associated with scrubbers and actually getting in the scrubber financing business. And it just wasn't something Johnny had an appetite for. I, uh, I think the differential between IFO and distillate is, is going to be quite substantial. Initially, and even uh, even once that market settles out, I think there'll be still quite a quite a substantial difference between uh, between the two. I wish we would have gotten into it, but um, my name's not on the on the sign out front. Now, uh, let me ask you this: uh, Looking at the several challenges, I'm come back to the earlier question. The big challenges are credit, fuel quality. Uh, compliance and compatibility. Uh, do you, are any of those the bigger challenges among them? Well, I think, generally speaking, let me, let me say, uh, compliance. I don't think here in the U.S. is going to be an issue. If it becomes an issue, it's going to just take one or two bad actors to get their um, hands slapped for non-compliance, and that'll get everybody in line. But I really don't foresee that being an issue. Credit again, everybody. All the suppliers are reviewing credit now, so that should be in hand. Stability, I think, is going to be a concern. Compatibility, I think, generally speaking, compatibility uh, has been solved, at least from the standpoint that uh, we went from a very similar change uh, for the Jones Act vessels. And in 2015, when uh, the SICA, the ECA and the SICA went into law for January 1st, 2015, we saw a lot of the vessels coming into eco zones that had to transfer from a three and a half percent sulfur to a 0.1% uh, sulfur. There was a lot of, there were a lot of issues around that. There were a lot of brownouts. There were a lot of loss of power issues, particularly in Mississippi river. Um, I think there were some documented cases on the West coast of brownouts and uh, loss of power by the U S coast guard. So from that standpoint, I think the industry in general has learned how to deal with incompatible fuels whereas they may have 20 bunker tanks, individual bunker tanks on a vessel, and they have learned not to uh, blend tanks when they, they don't absolutely have to. So credit, fuel quality, compliance, compatibility, your big problem, credit? Credit and rateable supply. Running out of time, Tony, so I've got to, going to jump to the last question. New normal, how long is it going to take for the shipping business to get to a new normal? What might it look like? Well, new normal, that was a discussion, again, we had with the P&I Club. Typically, vessels, bulkers, you name the vessel, chemical tankers, containers, they all looked at 20, 21, 25-year 25 25-year 25 life. Now, vessels, these bulkers that are 12, 13 years, and they don't have a scrubber installed, they may not be a competitive market, and they may have to be scrapped. So what's the new normal? The new normal may be newer ships, consolidation of operators, consolidation of shipping companies, consolidation of suppliers, and a costlier product, costlier operations. We say everybody's loaf of bread is going to be twice the price it is today. And that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but it'll be felt around the world. Dramatic way to end the podcast. Well, thanks, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. That was Tony Odak, Chief Commercial Officer and Director of Business Development at Stone Oil. Tune in next time for another riveting discussion on the business of shipping and bunkering on the next Ship Happens podcast. <music> <laughs>